Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show where we talk about short video games, uh, the kind of games that respect your time. I am one of your awesome co-hosts. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by, once again, all of my cool co-hosts. Shane Kelly, how are you doing, Shane? I am uh, just as cool as you described. I agree. And, uh, and Nate, how have you been? He's cool, too. I've been well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. And Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? I'm doing pretty well. She is also cool. Thank you, Shane. And this week we're talking about uh, a pretty interesting game, and that's The Order 1886. Yeah, I was super excited to, uh, to see this game finally drop in price, um, and I snapped it up. <laughs> it's dropped again and again in price. Right when, right when this game came out was about the same time we were starting this podcast, and this game, in my opinion, is probably the most famous of short games of the, <laughs> the current console era. And infamous. Infamous, too. Have you ever talked to a, uh, a, uh, a games columnist or anybody like that? You're probably going to hear, if you're talking about short games, this game might come up in that conversation. So I, I'm really glad we're finally getting around to reviewing it. Uh, the Order is a, well, The Order 1886 is a third-person action-adventure game developed by Ready at Dawn uh, and the SCE Santa Monica Studios and published for the Sony PlayStation 4 exclusively. Uh, it came out back in 2015. Uh, and how would you guys describe the setting of this game? This is a steampunk sort of game? Alternate reality London, which is kind of my sweet spot. I mean, I just... Justin's been playing, uh, replaying 80 Days, so my head's been in that space. Um, but while 80 Days is uh, the best you get are some paper-cut silhouettes, this is um, the richest embodiment of Victorian London uh, steampunk reality that I've seen. Yeah. Take Dishonored and remove the whale oil, and I think <laughs> yeah. you get close to uh, the same kind of world that this is made. The back of the box basically pitches it as steampunk knights in an alter alternative Victorian era fighting werewolves and vampires. And you hear that pitch and you're, well, at least if you're me, you're immediately sold on the idea. Like, as an idea, that is gold. Are you any flavor of Anglophile? Because you're going to get all of them together. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's, it's a game that has uh, Knights of the Round Table and Nikola Tesla and the Marquis de Lafayette. Why don't they all be in the same game? Because why not? Yeah. yeah. Plus, werewolves and vampires. <gasps> it's like a Doctor Who game. And good, like, guns and stuff, you know. Fun guns, fun, like, gadgets, you know. Um, ste very steampunky. Yeah, this is, uh, gameplay-wise, it's really similar to the Gears of War series. Uh, it's primarily a cover-based shooter, uh, third-person action, and the most notable thing about this game, the thing that I think it gets the most praise for and the thing that it gets the most deserved praise for is its incredible, gorgeous graphics and beautiful environment design. The, the era that you're playing in is one that is full of these you know, incredible things to see, and you see them. You see them in beautiful, gorgeous HD um, with incredibly detailed models and, and characters. It's a beautiful game. And the sound design is nice, too. Uh, gun sounds, walking Pew. around sounds. So then why aren't we talking about this as 
one of the greatest games of all time. Why doesn't this make the top <laughs> games lists? What 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 is it about the order 1886 that didn't work for so many people? Uh, why is the game so much more infamous than famous? Why, when it was released, did it did it wither like a like a lichen in the sun? <laughs> well, I think so. Part of it is a, a, a it, it was served some misfortune by the opinions on what equals value in the gaming world, which is part of what this podcast sprang from. Now, there's a lot of issues about this game for sure, but one of the main things that you heard about was I paid $60 for this and all I got was six or seven hours. And for us, we're like six or seven hours, perfect. But I remember that being one of the biggest things is that it's not a long game and it was a full-priced game. Yeah, it was actually a pretty interesting story to follow at the time. So the game was set to launch in February of 2015, and for a little while before that launch, several weeks before, a kind of a rumor started going around on Reddit and other gaming sites uh, that people were saying that this game was short, and they said it was real short. A lot of the rumors said it was like three hours long. And, uh, I mean, I know, like, I like that. I, that actually made me kind of interested in the game. <laughs> we do have a podcast entirely about short video. I games. know, I know. So, but then a, a, a few, a little over a week before the release, uh, a, a YouTuber called Play Me Through, and you will not find him on YouTube any longer. His account is now suspended, <laughs> but he somehow got an advanced copy He's YouTube of dead. Yeah, he is. And the video that... Uh, the Knights got him. It, <laughs> The lichens and and uh, and the the video that he posted was basically a uh, playthrough from beginning to end of the game that took just over five hours, and I think people just took that as confirmation of this rumor. Well, really, the game is a bit longer than that. You can mince words. It is a short game. There is no question about it. This is a short video game. Um, it is longer than five hours. Like I put about ten hours in, and I didn't even get all the way to the end. And I, I, we will talk later about why I didn't get all the way through. Um, it's like Laura Croft or any or until dawn, like it's action game length, right? Which is is not long by any means, but it's not like you know super. It, it's like long. It's fine. It's long enough. It's it's, it's more it, like about ten hours for your typical playthrough. But really, the arguments yeah. about how long the game is are almost kind of immaterial. It, it really was just that was a nail in the coffin. That was what people latched onto as the complaint about this game, it leading up to its release. Yeah, I don't think that's why it got a Metacritic score of 63. Right. I think it's that's more complex than that. Yeah. There's there's a lot more, but that was a major part of the controversy. That it, to me, my remember, you know, remembering this time, that was the controversy. Now, had the game come out and been awesome, everyone would have forgotten about it. Mm -hmm. But it does have some flaws, and that's what a lot of people are left with is like, oh, isn't that that weird, like, five-hour game that came out that you had to pay 60 bucks for and, like, no one really liked? Like, I think that's what a lot of this game's kind of history came from um, is that misrepresentation of, of what time means. And, you know, we're living – I saw a, uh, a preview for, like, one of the uh, Fallout DLCs and I saw someone like it's 30 hours of gameplay so like we're still in this thing where the time it takes you to beat it is 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 a value equivalent to me the biggest equivalent is something like Assassin's Creed 2 and that's a stealth game it's a very different feel but to me 
the benefit of playing Assassin's Creed 2 was spending 30, 40 hours just wandering around medieval Florence, which is pretty, climbing towers. Um, and this game had the environment, but not the time. So it's kind of like the trade-off of the amount of time you get to spend in the really cool environment, like the best graphics in the world. If you're spending less time with it, don't feel as much like when you compare it to something like super short, like a journey where it's very short, but the story is uh, the story and the emotion is there. If you're going to have an environmental game, I feel like you might want to spend more time there. Like that's the, and so that that's the best equivalent I've been able to think of of why this didn't do as well. The difference between a game where I'm going to really immerse myself in the gorgeous world and have a great time and a game where I'm going to uh, want to immerse myself in a really gorgeous world and be frustrated like I was in this game is uh, is the amount of choice that you give the player. The game is extremely linear. Yes. Yeah. So this game, not I think it linear is not a, a mark against a game in my opinion. But this is a game where the player has virtually no choice to make. You essentially have only, the only choice that you ever have is uh, which bad guy do I shoot uh, first uh, before I kill the other one. And, and before we get way too deep in the weeds of what the problems are with this game, and there are a lot Absolutely. of problems, like we really ought to just talk first about why we decided to cover it, like why we decided to talk about it and why we decided to talk about it now. Um, I mean, this game has been out for a while and, um, you know, we, uh, when it, when it first came out, we all kind of followed it as this story of, is this game a referendum on short games? Is this about gamers rejecting games that are under a certain length? And now that it's been a while, I kind of wanted to go back to it and see if this game could or should be kind of revisited or even like if it's if its reputation should be kind of rehabilitated given that we was it ahead of its time maybe mm -hmm. as something that i started or, thinking or, or was it just rejected out of hand because of something that really if, if people weren't making a if people didn't have 60 dollars sticker shock would people be feeling differently about this yeah, game that kind of was my i mean that's that's the high flown reason that we decided to go back and revisit this game i think my personal reason was uh, I really wanted to see if this game was uh, before its time uh, in terms of its $60 price tag uh, <laughs> and that maybe now in the innovative new price uh, point of $7, uh, <laughs> maybe this game was going to rediscover its audience. Uh, of no, I paid 20 You got it on sale. I paid it for its full, its current full retail price of uh, $20. Right. Well, I've got to tell you guys, my and a spoiler for the end of the podcast, my verdict on this my verdict on this game is that if you can get it for $7, you should. It's $7 well spent. <laughs> yeah, I know we try not to uh, say, like, once a thing is this price, you should buy it. But um, I also, I, I did enjoy this game. Um, I, I think it's worth playing. Let's but... talk about why. Because this is a game that both Nate and I, I think, found a lot to love in. This this was a game that has entertained me entertained me very well and i'm really surprised by that because i had i had a i had an almost opposite experience with it this was a hate play for me uh i i didn't get all the way through it and i had a lot of problems well i would say first of all what i liked about it um is that you know we've already hit we've already touched on the graphics i just love a game that looks good who doesn't it, it does it looks great it's one of the better looking games i've played on the ps4 
Um, I do appreciate the uh, the developers' commitment to the world. Um, for better or worse, they really went all in on their story, the character development, everything you touch or feel or whatever. Like, there's almost too much of it. Like, you're like, why did you focus on that and not uh, <laughs> my ability to jump over this wall like I want to? Um, I, like, I, I feel like they, they really went full on on a lot of the stuff that a lot of games leave out. And at times, the combat was a ton of fun. And I love a good third person. Like, so Laura Croft is one of my favorite games that we, like, of the last several years. The I haven't played the new one because I don't have an Xbox One, but the uh, the the first of the Laura Croft reboot is one of my favorite games of, of the past several years. And this just felt like kind of a, like a lesser, ver- like a clunky version of that, which was still enough for me to be like, okay, this was, this can be a lot of fun when it's working. The shooting in the game Um, has a couple of things that are really great about it. One is good guns. Um, Some of the guns are really inventive, but most of the guns are just really fun to shoot, well-balanced, cool-looking, classic-style guns. Um, The other thing that works really well is the AI. This game actually had, I thought, really good enemy AI. They used cover well, they would get out of the way... Uh, why is everyone grinning? I'm sorry. I am standing here slack-jawed at everything that you're saying. I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to turn this into an argument, but I am shocked that you thought the AI was good because it was laughably bad on mine. And, and the guns were so horribly well, boring. Shame is playing on hard. Were you playing on hard? No, I was playing on normal, which I thought was... AI I don't were... think there can be that much of a difference. Yeah. yeah. So the AI on, at least on hard, the AI spend like 90% of the time hiding behind shit and just peeking out to shoot at you. They do a lot of like blind firing and their bullets are pretty damn lethal. So you really had to use the cover and, and move around a lot. Um, they they were really good at laying down suppressive, like one of them would lay down suppressive fire while other ones would reposition and move so that they could get a, get a line on you. I actually... Uh, in, in certain parts, um, I thought about turning the difficulty down, but then I realized like every other part of this game is no fun. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I guess we probably are just looking for different things in enemy AI in a game like this, because actually the things that you just mentioned that they, they were using cover reasonably well, um, I, I don't really think you like, prefer enemies that just walk out to be shot and killed. I understand. Well, I mean, sure, certainly it would have shortened the experience and saved me a lot of hassle. But um, actually, I found a lot of frustration there. Maybe maybe what I was looking at as bad AI was that they they will pick a spot to hide and they will never move from it, even if you come over the side of their of their wall and you start knifing them in the neck. Like, the AI is essentially, as far as I could tell, at least on normal, programmed to find a spot, pick a spot, hide, and almost never come out. And they, when they do pop up, you better get a shot at their head because they're not popping back up for a while. And it didn't really strike me as good AI, just just difficult to shoot AI. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, in theory, the game is played in that... Uh most of the combat is kind of a big arena with uh, and by it's it's like streets 
or like a church building or whatever, but you start at one end of it and you're working your way to the other end of it. And it's a series of cover that you're slowly marching forward through taking cover, taking cover, clearing your way, going. So like if you're sneaking up behind or around the side of of guys, while that's possible, I don't really think that's what they were looking for because I yeah, think they wanted yeah. you to post up and you're bouncing back and forth and trying to get shots, doing blind fire, using your teammates as suppression. And yeah, the majority of the time you do have like a buddy. And they they those had decent AI as well. There were, there's a couple of times where I wound up stumbling over them to to try and use the same cover. Uh, one one the one kind of big uh I I guess uh dumb thing that I found with the AI at a certain point in one of these many construction sites that you have to kill your way through was um, that I found that if I ran up behind my buddy uh, and tried to take cover under the same crate, uh, that it would just sort of push him out from behind the crate. (laughs) And then he would draw a whole lot of fire. And uh, that was very advantageous for me um, because he, he, he couldn't be killed. So I didn't worry about him. Um, (laughs) but that, that brings me back around. I want to, I want to talk about the second thing that I loved about this game. Um, we can come back to talking about the shooting mechanics later, but the second thing that I loved about this game is something that I know they added in a patch after the release. And that is photo mode, which in a lot of games I would say is like a dumb, like boring add on. But in, in a game like this one, where to me, a huge portion of the fun is exploring the world and seeing all the designs and stuff, uh, being able to just like hit a button and then just steer an omniscient camera around the environment and like take a bunch of photos and like, you know, look really closely at the map that's on the wall or stuff like that. I had a blast actually doing that. So, Hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's a part of the game that if you weren't actually doing it, Maybe go back and try it in some of the more unique unique areas, like the hospital. Or I'll admit to not having tried that at all. Yeah, I actually I didn't I tried either. it at one point, and I couldn't figure out how to make it move, and I felt dumb. And I was like, <laughs> I'll do that again later, and I never did. Well, the thing that this reminded me of was um, I went to uh, Tokyo Disney Sea in um, on vacation, and they have a um, area that's called fortress explorations where you're just climbing around old forts and you find random rooms that are full of really cool stuff like uh, an alchemist lab and you get to go stare at the alchemist lab and look at every single thing on the wall and like stare at the the maps and look at the runes on the wall or you go into you know you fall down you know you climb down a ladder and you find this room that's full of fake ships or and this is what I wanted more of from this game Absolutely. because um, every time that, you know, the photo mode wandering around looking at Nikola Tesla's lab, anytime I got to explore the space, I just wanted this to be a sandbox game so badly. And I yeah. wish it had been. The, the, the very best level in this whole game is the level that's an assault on an airship. And that airship has like a casino area. It has... Uh, it has kind of a superstructure in the balloon area. It has, you know, crew quarters. It has a dining area. It has, uh, it has, uh, it has little little guest rooms, and you get to see all of that 
but most of the time when you actually see that stuff, you're under fire, so you can just barely look at it. But being able to pause and look around is really great. And there's some amazing set piece fights in that area where you know the the engine is on fire you can see it out the window and you're like taking cover behind a baccarat table being shot at by a guy in full armor and it's super awesome uh if you just slow down and take a look but yeah then you realize that that guy in armor is a total bullet sponge uh, was he a shotgun specialist <laughs> Oh my god, the shotgun specialists are, my, uh, are the worst part mm-hmm. of the game. At least none of the lichens were on that airboat because they were the worst enemy. Period. Well, that's yeah. true. But, yeah, I uh, have a. As far as the camera mode goes, I I always have a hard time with exp- like I like exploration in games as long as it's as if it's an element of the game. But yeah. exploration for exploration's sake, I almost never do. So I saw that camera mode, and it's like. I just was like I knew that the game was beautiful. That's one of my favorite parts, but I never felt the need like it was just nice to be immersed in it while I was playing the game. I never felt the need to like separately go and explore it. I used I used it one way I used it was in those moments where you're like pinned down and undercover and you don't know like what crate the werewolf is behind. Uh, you just pop into that omniscient camera and like zoom oh, out and like cheating. check it check it all out. I never <laughs> even thought about that. That's cheating. Yeah, the game has this um, this really hard division between its sort of exploratory times and its combat times, and. There were a lot of times where I wished that I could uh, do more exploring during the areas that were all combat. And also, there were times where I really kind of wanted to speed up and get things moving in some of the more exploratory areas. I think the the biggest thing that they did that was really a failure here was that, like, th- this has these explory, sort of explory times. They're still in corridors. You still have to go from point A to point B. But, you know, you're you're meant to be taking in the scenery. But they don't deliver any story with that scenery. Like, you get things like audio logs, but the audio logs are the most boring goddamn things. And you find, like, documents and things lying around, but almost none of them feel like they reveal anything about the world. Yeah, yeah. that was a moment that I – there was a moment where I, I had, I'd listened to the first few of those audio logs. But because I had to pause the game – and go into the menu in order to hear them. Oh my god, that's so misguided. Uh, what is the I, point of audio logs? And and so I had I had given up on listening to them. And then I found one and I was just about to pause anyway cuz I was going to go and get myself a glass of water. So I was like, "You know what? I'll play this one. I'll play this audio log. I wonder what these things are telling me." And I I'm going to try and and drop you guys a f- I recorded this audio log cuz I thought it was the like it was the the perfect moment of like what I hated about this game. Uh, and there, there were things I loved, but this moment where you listen to this audio log, you fire it up and it's like, um, uh, Hey, uh, is this thing on? Right. Um, uh, is this contraption working? Hmm? Right. No, I know, but we're, yeah. All right. Speaking to this thing. All right. All right. Got to get me speaking voice ready. All right. October 13th, 1886. Inspection detail 1047. Barge number S387J. Blackwall Yard. Final inventory log of secondary cargo. Airship Ag- <clears throat> Agamemnon. Yeah. Tail designation GFAXX. Uh, okay, so I'm I'm Mr. Boat Captain. 
Here are all, I've dropped off some crates at Liverpool. And then I picked up some new crates. And shipment number five is damaged. The company won't like that. And it was, this was the longest thing. It was yeah, so long. It's stuff like that that I, like, it's kind of what I was saying when I do like about the game, is that I appreciate their commitment because probably one of the writers on the show or on the game, like, really thought, like, where has this airship gone? What has it picked up? What if there was a cat? What if there was a cat? You know, it's like, you know, like, like the actor, like, have your story, have your backstory. Like, the writers, like, created backstories for, like, everything, and it's kind of available. Um, but the sad side is that it, it has, like, no bearing on the gameplay. It almost ne- – like, I like I found, like, a teddy bear that you could pick up and examine the whole teddy bear and pick up examinable items. There's there there's several of them, but they're not, like – it's not, like, everything. Like, it's it, – you know, it's, like, normally, like, newspapers and stuff that you can read. That it's, like, a headline. You're, like, oh, the chancellor was here, you know. And it's, like, a teddy <laughs> – and it's, like, a teddy bear. And I'm, like, what is this teddy bear for? It's probably, like – the 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 teddy bear of a child whose father was died you know died yeah and it but like environmental storytelling is a skull next to a toilet like that's yeah and and i i appreciate it i do but like because i i there's there's a part of me and there's someone out there who knows everything about the order because it's there for you if you want it. The, the, the moment that that got to me, there's a, there was a part where I went and I picked up a photograph and I'm like, huh, who the fuck is this? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, press triangle to flip it over. And, and I'm like, oh, okay. And I flip it over. Oh, there's some writing on the back. Huh, it's in French. <laughs> I can't read it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't read yeah, that. It's like a stamp. I did find out. Somebody reviewed the game and was pissed off that they didn't. They localized the entire game audio file, but they didn't localize any text in the entire game. Uh, oh my god! So this poor soul couldn't read any of the letters in Russian. He was like, Come on. So here's my point with this stuff. That is great. Please make your world <laughs> deep. Make your world diverse. Let me. If I want to. If I want to dig deep and understand your world, it's great that it's there. But make your game more playable for the stuff that actually is like you're moving left to right on you know there's so many like boxes you get snagged on or like shane pushed his guy through a wall to like defend you know like it's like it's a constantly wrestling with the game in every instance but like it's lore and it's in its world you know the 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 i didn't find that many moments where i was like felt like i was pushing the game past like you know, a bug or something like that. I did, there were a few little, little things, but no more than I would say I find in any big yeah, game game. Yeah. As somebody who's spent the last, uh, like several hundred hours, uh, walking my horse on his front legs through the Witcher three, none of the bugs here bothered me. That's not my issue. <laughs> the game. Uh, yeah. Bugs isn't the right way to put it, but it's, it's just, it's a very, it's like, it's a very clunky game. It's a cover system yes. where you hold circle to get, and then you like latch to things. And it's like really hard to unlatch yourself sometimes. You want to move from one cover thing to another. You have to press X to get up and then walk over to it. If you press circle, but you're too close to one thing, you'll like latch to the other thing. And, and it's like, I, I just was constantly like 
bouncing off of things and feeling like real rubber bandy on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I think that where I really agree with you here is I, I think there's, I think this actually speaks to a much larger issue with the game. This is not a game the with quick time one. Events, right? No, this is not a game with <laughs> one clear glaring issue. It is a game with innumerable minor problems that in aggregate sort of ruins the experience for me. And so like, yeah, snagging on the edge of a platform is not a big deal. Um, but the game, the game is not bad because of any one glaring particular problem. It has, it has a thousand tiny weird issues and sort of misdirected ideas and slight failures or disappointments they just add up to a great big pile yeah. of shit it's a game it's a game that it's a little too far but i wouldn't call it a pile of shit but i would call it a, a bland porridge um it is a game that everything you see that's good in this game everything you see that's bad in this game another game is doing just as badly or probably worse but everything that you see that's good in this game you're gonna find done so much better in another game as well. Yeah. So, Laura Croft is my version of this game is good. Yeah, I, I would say that this game is sort of uncharted without any of the interesting banter or writing. It's Bioshock without any of the brains or good ideas or or clever level design or puzzles. It's got it's got a really good seed of an idea here. When you describe a game as Victorian London knights versus uh werewolves, I'm on board, but it just doesn't work. I feel like they hired a bunch of good people and then kept them completely separate so that they only worked on their part of the game and they never bothered to integrate it, figure out pacing, because like they, there are good ideas and there are good characters and there are like, inter- things that on paper look like they should be super interesting, but the package just was lacking. Yeah. Can I tell you a, a, a what to me was a very obvious just like oversight in, in how even at this point, common things work was, was obviously quick time events are uh, a major part of this game. This game really wants you to feel like you're the one who is doing the actions and the cutscenes, And they, even though it through, gives you no choice about no how. choice, they mm-hmm. go through great lengths to make you be the one to do things in cutscenes, And, but they also integrate them into action scenes where, um, you have to do them or you die and it starts over. Or even worse, it integrates them into a lot of scenes where you have to do it or you just sit there. <laughs> yeah. And and the one that um, so sticks out to me a lot is that there – so there's a fight and you, your gun is gone and it's a hand-to-hand fight with a, with a big monster. And it's like, cool. That's awesome. Your character pulls out a giant blade and you're like, all right, I'm hand-to-hand combating now. But instead, it's like a modified quick time event where you have to hit L1 or I'm sorry, L2, R2 or L1 for various types of attacks. Okay, but the window for hitting these attacks is only there seems to be a very small window when you can actually place these attacks. But mixed in with this where you're just like spamming these attack buttons are quick time events for dodges. But it'll use your attack button as an input for that quick time event. So if you're pressing L1 because you want to do a quick attack because the monster is just standing there. And as you're pressing L1, it happened to be the time for the quick time event to dodge to the left. Your L1 quick attack button becomes the 
your input for dodging to the left and you fail both and you die. <laughs> and so you have to like memorize the timing of when these quick time events are going to come so you can place your attacks. There's no like if there was even like and it'd be cheesy, but if there was like an attack now button, you know, like or like um light or you know, he's open, you know, <laughs> and you hit like L2 and then you know like you're it's like but it all you just don't know and you almost have to memorize the placement of the quick time events to know when exactly to do your attacks in between. Yeah. And it's no skill. It's just like memorization of a, of a, of a, of a scene. Yeah. And that boss fight is as fun as it sounds the way you just described it. And unfortunately that's how essentially all of the boss, they don't throw that away. They bring that back. That boss fight repeats almost exactly like down to the graphics being basically the same later on as a climactic boss fight towards the end. I mean, we're talking about like repeated, like th that was what they chose to repeat. Terrible. The boss fights in this game are yeah. embarrassing. So, so you, you've brought up the two things that made the ending of this game absolutely infuriating to me. So I had, I had stuck with this game through the whole thing. I was really, I, I overall, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it was a bad experience because I had a great, had a great deal of fun. Uh, but but here's your mini spoiler break. Do 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 do. Um, and I'm going to spoil the ending. Um, so you right at the end, um, one of your buddies reveals that I was a werewolf all along, and um, he he literally says the words, "You know, we're not so different, you and I." No. Um, and That's then, two times that happens in the game. The the yeah. the uh, the Indian lady earlier, she had the that rebel exact leader line. says the same it's thing. Like, yeah. yeah, we're not so different, you and I, knight. Like, oh my so, god. The so they take the time to remind us how badly written the game the game is, um, and then they have one of these um, boss fights or one of these uh, one of these quick time cutscenes disguised as a boss fight, and then. Your final action in the game uh, is like, okay, uh, Merlin or whatever is like, hey, this little, I, I adopted this cute little werewolf puppy. Look, he grew up into an asshole. Um, and uh, and he, walk, he hands you a gun and he walks off and he's like, you know, I guess you know what to do. Uh, and so you stand there and you point the gun at your helpless friend, the, the dying werewolf who's going on and on about how, Hey, I'm trying to save my people just like you are my kind or, you know, noble blah, blah, blahs. And you point the gun at him. And I just sat there and then it starts flashing on screen. Hey, press R2. <laughs> and I was like, uh, are you, should I? Do I have to? Yeah, I did. Blam, he's to. dead. Yeah. yeah, there's so much killing in this game, but none of it feels good. Oh, all the ones where I actually had got to pull the trigger on a dude hiding behind a crate. That felt good. I don't know. Like, what about what about the stealth scenes where you're like indiscriminately knifing in the throat, like crowds it's... of people whose only crime is that they're a guard. There are some real Real rote knife throat stabbing. There's some really, <laughs> there's some drownings where you hold people's, the very first thing you do in the game is you tap X to hold a dude's head under the water. And it's like, the game can be pretty brutal. Um, and, yeah, and for a game about Knights of the Round Table, like, it's it's not a game with a whole lot of, like, talk about honor or, 
not killing people that don't need to die. Galahad is not very chivalrous. Yeah. Yeah, Galahad, the best knight who finds the Holy Grail and is supposed to be the most honorable of everybody. I will say I had the theme song to Gallivant constantly stuck in my head. <laughs> Galahad. Which, yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, which was great. Which I should was have great. been doing that. That was really the funny. highlight. But uh, I do disagree. Uh, sometimes, and this is where the game was fun, I did like the cover base shooting system. I did think it was fun. I thought it, uh, yes. it was it was often um, frustrating as because, you know, like, you never want to feel cheated in games. Like, if you lose, you want to feel like you lost because you're the one who did a bad job. Um, and there are sometimes, and honestly, kind of often, where I would feel like I got killed by something that, like, just there was nothing. Like, just, like, it came out of a door behind me and shotgunned me in the back and I'm dead. And, like, I guess I could have planned better. But still, like, that's not really how that should work. There were plenty of times where I was like, this is stupid. But when it's working... It's a lot of fun. I don't know. I like I like uh, third person uh, gun games. I like bouncing around between places. I like the feel. I thought the feel of the uh, while a lot of the guns I think are kind of the same. They do feel good and they sound good when you shoot. Like the laser was, gun, the thermite was gun. Cool. The those thermite were two standouts. Gun. I, I thought that most of the guns, while they looked very steampunky, played exactly like guns in something like a Modern Warfare or something like that. They the guns I felt like were a little uninventive, but the thermite gun was something I'd never seen before. I really kind of enjoyed that. It was kind of a kind of a flamethrower, but rather than throwing flames, it throws thermite dust, which you then ignite at a distance. And it was fun and interesting to use. And I was like, finally, a cool, interesting gun I like. But then they take it away from you a lot. Like, they really only allow you to use it or any of the other interesting guns in these sort of little set-piece scenes. And as soon as the gun doesn't really fit with whatever else is going on, they find a way to remove it from your inventory or take all of its ammo away. So, like, I was like, I want to keep using this thermite gun. Nope, we're indoors now. And Galahad uh, found a way to get rid of the gun without my consent. And I was back to using something that essentially felt like uh, like a submachine gun. Yeah, there there was, I mean, one of the most common guns they would give you in the game, though, was one that I thought was pretty interesting. It was the... Um it was a gun that was a, a like a pneumatic machine gun, and it worked like a pretty standard machine gun, but it also had the ability to like vent the air and like knock your enemies back. Um, I never figured cool. that out. I guess, huh? R yeah. R one. If you press some of the guns have secondary utilities. Pressing R one. Um, you know, in a game down. that really walks you through, like, how to press X to open a door, <laughs> like, the fact that Reagan was able to miss that is kind of funny. It, it is, actually. <laughs> like, they, they literally do, uh, like, they spend a lot of time teaching you to do literally everything. I kept a list. There's This game absolutely loved teaching you new little mechanics, and I think that this is like one of the design ideas that this game, like if you read some of the re- interviews with the developer, he's like, well, it may be short, but if you measure it in number of game mechanics, there's so much to do. Yeah, I, I don't think I, they needed to not use the word mechanics because a mechanic implies that it's like once you learn it, you know how to do it, and it's something you're going to do a lot. But it's like once the you one learn that, it, you're never going to do it again. Yeah, yeah, because like the one I think about is there's a really nice looking scene where you rappel down the side of an airship, and it's like the the sound is good and like the wind feels like real and stuff, and so you like learn how to rappel. 
But really, it's just a cut scene. It's like modified QuickTime events. Yeah. Instead of pressing extra repel, it's hold down, hold X to jump, hit square to move left and right. Like, but you never do it again. So it's just like little QuickTime of everything. Yeah, I kept a list of some of the things that it spends a lot of time teaching you. It stops the game in order to teach you stuff and uh, doesn't let you continue without learning it. And then you almost never use like... Uh, first off, you learn about the whole audio log system, which I suppose I chose not to use, but that's useless. It, you learn this whole lock picks th- system, and I counted, and I think you pick three locks in the game, that you learn this electrical override device that's sort of like a lock pick, or at least it, it sort of functions yeah, like one, and you like use it like five times, yeah. maybe three, I don't know. Um then there's a there's about four or five different types of quick time events that it teaches you. It pauses to teach you about them so that you can do them successfully later. Things like press and holds and so on. Um, there's the whole me- mechanic of like picking up objects. There's a mechanic involving a, a monocular that you use to cite your next objective that you only use twice, as far as I can tell. Uh, there's a there's a special thing where it pauses the action in the middle of the story to make sure you know how to signal in Morse code to a zeppelin that's flying above the city. As far as I know, you do that one time. It's the only place where the game makes you use the touchpad. It stops the story to make sure you know how to do that. I really felt like they were really just throwing these things in, not because they made sense for the gameplay or to, they just did it to make you feel like you were doing something. And it really, I felt it was, I I thought, I felt insulted by it. Insulted? That's a little heavy. Well, this game, this game <laughs> hates players. It hated me, and I hated it. Yeah, it, sometimes it was fine. It just it was so often. Like if it had just been repelling and things like that, I'd been fine. But it is like there's a log in front of a door. Hold triangle, press up and to the left to move the. Lo- you know, it's like every little step of the way, you're you have to be the one to do it, which. If it was all cutscenes, we'd be like, "Oh, it's too many cutscenes." So, like, there's a there's a sweet spot somewhere in the middle that they went too full on, make the players do everything. Yeah, um, and you know, if those if if that those sort of events were taking place in cutscenes that I really cared about, that had characters that were interesting, I would have. I think I would have done a. We would have all. We would all be talking about how innovative it was. Yeah, if the story yeah. were better, like if the. I think the story of this game. Maybe we should just talk about like how they how did they screw up this story like what went wrong this story seems like it should be an interesting idea right what went wrong with the story why are we not talking about how how interesting a character galahad is and how much we cared about him and his uncovering of the truth well i so we've got we've got galahad and he's or or grayson as he is known uh you know which is his real name apparently yeah everybody has multiple names um, yeah. And well, it's Kingsman. Have you seen yeah. Kingsman? Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> Once, the same setup, except they're not, not as well dressed. <laughs> yeah. Once someone dies, they get the name of the knight that they become. Yeah. Or the, ne- the next so, person. Actually, yeah, I didn't draw that, I didn't draw that uh, similarity, but you're right. It's exactly the same. <laughs> it's, it's exactly the same. <laughs> uh, there's probably other examples, except they're not immortal uh, in Kingsman. Um, True. Which These guys are really kind of immortal. Yeah, me um, neither. They have a depth so, and oh, breadth I, of history. I, sorry, I have a it. question to you guys. So there was so many un, un, unfinished like threads. Threads. I know you, you guys didn't all finish this game, but there's stuff in this game that just doesn't get wrapped up at all. Like sequel. 
Yeah. What's up with the vampire? Like, yeah. you find a vampire oh in a box, that's the only vampire we ever see. I know. They put vampire on the box of the game. Like, it says there's going to be vampires, and then it does not deliver the vampires. I mean, we've got we've got Lord Hastings. They say he is a vampire, but we never fight a vampire. We hardly ever fight the werewolves, except in quick time events. All of the game is, like, I thought I was signing on for fighting werewolves, but actually what I'm signing on for is premeditated murder of British citizens. (laughs) (laughs) Some of which are half-breeds. When you do fight the quote-unquote half-breeds that are not not exclusively a quick time event, um, all they do is, like, run at you, and then you hit X to dodge them, and then you shoot at them, and then they run away. And it just repeats that over and over and over again. And... Here's a uh, this is a great uh, this is a great chance to use the photo mode because when they get behind something they vanish <laughs> and they mm. teleport somewhere else and then they appear behind you. So it's not that they're actually just like you're you're too slow. It's that the game is fucking cheating on cheating you. Mm-hmm. These they, they just put these things in weird places and they jump out and go boo and you have to hit X. I really have this feeling like at some point in this game's development they were like and it's going to be a cover shooter and we're going to fight werewolves and they're like werewolves don't use cover and they're like oh. You're right. Well, I guess we got to throw in all of these rebels, and they're just going to be dudes with guns because that's what you fight in cover shooters, right? So I was signed on for fight werewolves in medieval London, but you really don't get to do that. You only ever fight these incredibly boring, generic dudes in hats. And and the dudes in hats will occasionally yell things about politics that don't make sense, and the politics of this game make no sense ever. It never really explains what's going on with the rebels. Some of them have really. Great I guarantee you, they have a. The writers had. Oh, a I'm sure they do. Super deep understanding of what was that. There's going this. On. This game spends a long time in committee meetings, and I still didn't understand the <laughs> politics. My overall uh, my overall theory on this game is that this game started off. Uh, with a games company who is saying, listen, the PlayStation 4 is going to be big. And I mean B-I-G big. <laughs> so if we can put together an engine that makes really beautiful cover shooters, we're going to be in the money. Cover shooters were big on the PlayStation 3. Grim, dark, brown and gray cover shooters were real big on the PlayStation 3. So we're going we're gonna to make one really small cover shooter... Um, and we're going to base the plot on basically everything that people are talking about on the internet. <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to just like put some like six ounces of Tesla and three werewolves <laughs> and Jack the Ripper and some knights. And we're going to have like weird family steampunk is big, right? Everywhere. Steampunk. People love steampunk. Steam, steampunk, that's the first word that got dropped in one of these meetings. Oh, uh, yeah. And then they were like, okay, well, all uh, right, the balance, the balance sheet says it's time to ship it, so ship it. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like the same thing happened to all of the mechanics. They thought, oh, what, what mechanics uh, focus test well? People love cover shooters. Uh, people love uh, people like love to exploration, explore pick locks, and get and into I weird places. And I think that's the issue. It, it's, it's a little bit of design by committee, only that they, again, I, I think feel like they just... Hired people to work on individual pieces, and then we're like, we're done. Yeah. That's yep. a game, right? A game is just a bunch of parts, right? Mm-hmm. At the very least, at least Tesla was like a dopey nerd and not the like, whoa, I'm Tesla that shows I'm up David in every- Bowie. Yeah. Yeah, like the like, you know, like giant wiggity hair that Tesla shows up in everything I would have preferred that. Else. 
Well, they were yeah. really they were really set on it being in 1886 because that's a that's a interesting year for historical reasons. And uh, Tesla wasn't really an, he was like he was like he was born in 19. Uh, I don't remember my history, but he wasn't that old. So I feel like they were a bit restricted there. They couldn't really put in Tesla at the height of his powers, but they were goddamn well going to get Tesla in the game. And so he's he's in a lab at sort of Q branch, making the most uninspired things you can possibly imagine. You go to Tesla and he's like, I finally made what you have been asking for here. It is a gun sight. And I was like, wow, scientist genius. Great. A gun sight. I am inspired. There's also, they're like, there's literally, you get, so you have objectives, and you can press in on the right stick to, like, get an idea of what your objective is, and it says, explore Tesla's lab. I was like, sweet, I'm going to see some crazy <laughs> Tesla stuff. You don't do anything. I think it's a timer or something, because, yeah. like, there was nothing yeah, I could pick just up. Just by the time you walk to the front, he's like, hey, over here, try this yeah, boring like, gun. <laughs> I was waiting to pick up weird guns. I was waiting to, like, but there's literally nothing to do. You just walk from like desk to desk and look at what's on his desk. Yeah, and, and like, like there's three desks that have the same goddamn shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, oh man, now we're You like, remember how we said okay. we were going to try our best not to shit all over this game? Yeah. I I liked a lot of this game and we're not being unfair. Yeah, we I don't think we're being unfair. I mean, I I do think like it, it sounds inflammatory for me to say, but like this game's baseline is mediocrity. And and the only times that it surprised me was in order to be either completely baffling with a design decision or be completely infuriating. And I mean, like everything that we've said about this game that is good is true. But there's even things about the things that I really liked about the game that I at times found baffling and totally frustrating, like. Like, the game is beautiful. We've just talked uh, about, uh, at the start, we talked about how beautiful the game is. But the graphics of the game, they really put a lot of effort into making it sort of emulate a film quality. Like, it really looks gorgeous, right? They spent a lot of, of loving detail on emulating film grain and emulating field of uh, or, um, depth of field. So that you get this really cool sort of... Um, uh, sort of blur effect as the camera sort of focuses on different things. And it has beautiful uh, bokeh as you get light in the camera lens. It's really simulating the camera and getting a real film-like effect. But the problem is that doesn't work for a shooter because a shooter is about seeing small objects at long distances and firing at them with great precision. And so this beautiful camera effect was constantly doing things like focusing on the foreground when I wanted to shoot at the guy way in the back, focusing on the background when I wanted to shoot at the guy way in the front. Uh, If I did get to focus really appropriately, maybe the guy was so far away that the film grain completely obscured him or the, the beautiful, very sort of, I guess, brownish color scheme would make the guy's brownish hat blend into the brownish wall and the film grain obscured the whole thing. I, I'm I'm always stuck on that because I, I just like I like shooters, but I just have a hard time like picking out small movements on screen anyway. Like my eyes are like really bad at that. And so I never knew what like it's kind of how like most shooters are for me. But there was definitely times where I would just like have to poke my head out and just wait to be shot like four <laughs> times to see the smoke of their guns and shoot at like where the smoke was and just hope that I hit someone rather than so, hit them. I have a theory about this. And um, my theory 
um, because I did not experience the issue that you two are describing, uh, my theory is that your TVs are both calibrated really badly. And I can back this up because I have been to Reagan's house and I have seen his television. <laughs> Excuse he plays me. games on and it's terrible. No, it so, is not. It is totally decent. What makes you say no, that? No, Reagan, I, I saw you playing, uh, playing uh, The Witcher on that TV and I've played The Witcher on a good TV and your TV is washed out garbage. I'm really sorry. Wow, I can't believe you. Well, I've played the game, uh, this game, on three different displays. And I had this problem on all of them. Uh, well, because, yeah, what you? because I have a PlayStation downstairs. I have a PlayStation TV that can stream games to my 55-inch Bravia. That's, I assure you, a very good screen upstairs. I played it on that. And I played it streamed to my laptop, which is a 15-inch MacBook Pro with a retina display. So, so you've, played had, it, you've played it on a terrible television, and then you've played it recompressed over your home network on three different <laughs> devices. Yes, I understand. But I'm saying that I, I did not find any of those experiences to be uh, – like I, I, had a, I had a hard time shooting things in this game. And I'm not a guy who has a whole lot of hard times shooting things. Uh, take it for what you will. Maybe my tv sucks but i don't think i'm the only person who had this problem i had the problem but i often just have a hard time shooting things because i have shitty eyes for small movement so i don't know i just know that is something that i ran into too where like it is like a gray wash mm. <laughs> in a distance what's you your know? thought laura did you have a hard time finding the little men's on screen to shoot at them with your little guns well i i know i have a bad tv that said <laughs> i didn't have too much trouble um, I wasn't okay. playing in hard mode. I think that um, often I would just kind of cower behind and take <laughs> cover, and then I would wait until people, you know, uh, gave away their location and shoot accordingly. So maybe I just, since I'm not a huge shooter, I, I played a little bit more cautiously, so I didn't have the problems. I was, yeah. I usually just waited yeah. till people revealed themselves and then shot them. Yeah, I do tend to. It's a pretty straightforward yeah. strategy, but it worked for me, and I didn't have. Um, even in my terrible, terrible TV, didn't seem to have a problem. I tend to play stand-up shoot until you need to duck rather than duck and shoot, you know? like I, I'm like a cowardly James Bond. I just kind of <laughs> sit back and then I lean out and I like, pew, pew, and I duck back immediately so I don't yeah. get shot. We have like opposite video. I'm squishy uh, <laughs> and I, I know I suck, so I need to hide as much as possible. Yeah, but this game really wants you to play that way. Yeah, because... and so thus it rewarded oh, yeah. me. Yeah, very, very I, nice. Yeah, on hard, one of the things that goes way up is the amount of time that your screen gets all like angry red after you get shot once or twice. So there are there are, there were times where I had to, I had definitely had to play that way because there were three or four guys shooting at me, and I'd pop up and take one pot shot, and then I'd have to spend a, a full like three or four seconds hiding behind uh, behind cover before I would be out of that one hit kill zone. Until one of those damn shotgun guys comes at you and knocks you out of your cover. And it's then a you shotgun die specialist. Almost immediately. Monsieur. Those shotgun guys, those were basically the only reason that I ever used that black sight power. That was like the bullet time. Mm. Literally the only reason I used that. Yeah, I, I could never 100% figure out exactly how that worked, which is funny too, because like everything is taught to you 100 times. Um, and I almost never used it. It, it, was, it seemed clunky. It was. It was quite clunky. It felt like something that they had added on later. But basically, um, you press a button, and then uh, and then all the difficulty is removed from the game because you <laughs> auto-target the sensitive weak points of every enemy right in front of you. So I do want to use this opportunity to bring up something that pulled me out of the story a lot. It actually does it in a lot of video games. 
I don't really have a solution for it, but it's just something that I feel like I need to bring up is that if you have your characters uh, able to be shot many, many, many times through the course of gameplay, you should do everything you can to not make individual gunshots a major turning point in cutscenes. Because every time there'd be like cutscenes in this where like if you failed, it would result in your character getting shot in the head and they die or shot in the chest and they die or like a side character gets shot and they die. I'm like, I just watched them take like a hundred bullets in the head and they're totally fine. And I know it's like a side effect of gameplay. They have to be able to absorb bullets, but I would love to see people come up with more interesting game like, uh, you know, cutscenes to address the fact that they are taking wave after wave of bullets so why can i get shot in the head a hundred times while i'm playing but if i fail a cutscene one time a single bullet to the head kills me that sticks out more in this game too because of the black water thing where like there is an in-game explanation for the fact that this guy can take a bullet and keep on moving because he just drinks his special grail water and he's back at, at full it, like even a total spinal case can come right back and be up and walking in a few minutes yeah but then there are cases where it doesn't seem to be how it works. Yeah, and I know that's unfair because it's hard for a story where guns are the center of it for um, individual gunshots not to do anything during, like, big story moments. But it just – I every time I get detached from it when somebody dies from a single – when a character you have seen take an absurd amount of bullets dies from a single gunshot in a cutscene, I'm just like – I don't it I'd get pulled away from it and I don't know what you could do to make it better but I would like to see someone do it better. There is a big disconnect in a lot of games. Like you look at something like Uncharted and it has the same kind of problem where Nate is this uh is this wonderful guy that we're all supposed to love who also murders Thank hundreds you. and hundreds of oh. people in a go. Like so uh and and the the phrase that I hear used for that by smarter people than me is ludonarrative dissonance and if once you know to look out for it, it just makes you feel bad about a lot of games. And I don't think there it is any solution the for time. it. Yes. Yeah, so the fact accusing this game of like not properly providing you with the incentives to or reasons or, or justification for killing hundreds of British folk. Um, that's not that's not a unique criticism for this game. That's yeah. that's true in lots of games. So I don't want to I don't want to like belabor the point. But there is a there is a moment in this game where you get on an airship and your your commander tells you, hey, listen, um, we don't have time to discern between the guys that are the ordinary guards on this and the rebels. So just kill everyone because the rebels are the rebels are disguised as guards. Just stab them all with your enormous knife. Yes. It is so, a huge knife. It's like a sword sized knife. And then and then not and then not 10 minutes later, after you've plowed a path of death through this airship, um, one of the other guys says, uh, oh, yeah, the, 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 the fake guards don't have uh, badges on their epaulets. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you didn't fucking mention that before I killed like eight of them <laughs> in the most horrible way imaginable. Yeah, like you're slitting, you're slitting throats left and right, and then and then one guy that's been like right along with you the whole it's time. It's not slitting like, throats. It's like stabbing through. Yeah, he was just like, "Oops, forgot to tell you, you could have avoided all of that death." And again, 
Justin was just replaying 80 Days, which is a song, which is a game that's basically like colonialism. All it's problematic. <laughs> so going from that to this is a little different. If they could just take this game and have Megan J. Anth rewrite the whole thing, I think it would turn out to be phenomenal. I, I, I think it would I be completely a agree. Game. Shane, Shane, you say that part was bad, but even worse than that was in the stealth sequence when you're going through and trying to find, you need a key to a gate. And there are about 12 guards in the area. And uh, so you're stealthing around trying to find the guard with the key. But you can't pick guards' pockets. This is a stealth sequence in which you are required to kill everyone in the area. And when you finally kill the last guard, so each time you kill a guard with a long distance crossbow bolt, uh, Galahad immediately says, no key there, before even walking over and looking at the body. I mean, if I can tell from over here that he didn't have the key, then why did I just kill him with a crossbow bolt to the eye? Like, why did I knife him in the throat if I could tell from across the park that he has no key in his pocket? Jesus. Well, Reagan, it's the way that he falls. You can tell, I mean, they put a lot of development time into making sure that, you know, no matter what part of your victim's body you obliterated, that they fell in a convincing manner and that, <laughs> that they, uh, that they, they scream. They turn out their really pockets well. as they fall to make sure you can tell they don't have keys in their pockets. Exactly. So, you know, if, if, if they'd had a key, it would have flown right up in the air when they fell backwards. Yeah. I don't know what it says that, like, I really didn't have any problem with the like unexplained murder of <laughs> constant murder of innocence. But if in a cutscene I die from a single shot to the head, I should die to a single shot in the head uh, in the game. Well, my answer so. to you then is play on hard mode because you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I guess the final question that I think we have to answer with this episode, uh, after all of this discussion, after all of the um, ups and downs of playing the game, is this game worth playing if you like short games? And let's say that you, like we did, got it fairly cheap. Is this game worth playing or is this game something that is not worth your time. Does the, actually, I guess the, the real question here is, does this game respect your time? Is it worth your time? I'll, I'll go, uh, I'll go first. Um, does this game respect your time? I don't know what this game respects, but I do like this game. I give it my, uh, short game thumb up. Uh, and my reason for that is that, uh, I think if you, if you can get this game on sale or whatever, and you don't go into it with really high expectations in terms of storytelling, um, then and you enjoy shooters, then you're going to have a great game on your console that you can you can get some fun out of. Um, and at the very least, this is going to be a showpiece for your PlayStation 4, because this is, without a doubt, one of the best looking games on the PlayStation 4. Yeah, Shane, I think I kind of agree with you. Um, I would say that this is this game was a hate play for me. Like I I disliked this game actively. And um and and yet I also kind of enjoyed making my way through it because I mean, surely you've had the experience of hate watching a movie where you're like this movie represents everything I despise and all I can do is watch in rapt attention as it nosedives 
into a crash of its own making. And that is the feeling that I had playing this game. I don't feel compelled to finish it. I put 10 hours into this game and I played through almost all of it. And I didn't get to the very end uh, in time for this recording. And, you know, I I don't think that I am going to go back to it and pick it up again. But do I regret spending time with it? No, I actually, I, I think that on balance, it was an interesting experience, even if it was sort of a hate play. I think it's definitely worth playing, especially if you get it for cheap. I did not finish it. I didn't get very far. Um, for me, I think it's best played in bites. I think the pacing is a little bit inconsistent. You'll get into a rhythm and then suddenly it'll interrupt you. Um, the combat gets interrupted by a quick time event or the, the whatever you're building towards gets interrupted by a guy telling you, oops, you didn't have to kill those people. So I, I think the stop and starts was something that I was playing for a podcast when I needed to get through a certain amount to feel like the game, um, to feel like I could adequately describe the game. And it really didn't care for that style of gameplay. It wanted me to, I felt uh, my impatience with it wasn't serving the game well. So I would say that if you're playing it, um, pick it up and spend more time looking around. Uh, Spend the time with what the game is good at and don't fret about rushing through the stuff that it's bad at. Just chill and I think you'll like the game more. Yeah, I want to start by saying, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it there, Laura, with like what focus on what the game is good at. Because, but at the same time, so there, there are. This is one of the only games I can think of that was an action game at its core that I sat the controller down and said, "This is stupid." <laughs> um, it is stupid. And, it and, is. And, and what I mean by that, I actually, I don't, I don't mean any of the story i don't mean any of the uh i i, I honestly although the times that is stupid too <laughs> it is it is but you know but i don't i'm fine with the story i'm fine with their storytelling i'm fine with all of that because i think that they wanted a tone and they went for it and it was fine it's not you may not like it you might not think it's necessarily interesting but i never thought that the story i didn't get detached by the story i thought it was enough to move the the action forward to me this was an action game that had flaws in its fluidity it there was there was uh long combat scenes that were kind of grueling to get through sometimes but also sometimes I had a lot of fun with this game. I liked moving from cover to cover. I liked kind of, even though I died a lot, learning the waves of bad guys coming out and figuring out the opportune moment to throw a grenade and the sound and the feel of the grenade. Um, I, I did like some of the guns. I actually thought that the... the, the um, yeah, let's not forget like, the way that when you hit somebody with the laser gun that like whole parts of their body like turned into jello. Yeah, and... Sorry, to be honest with you, lightning gun. I thought that those gun. guns were gimmicky and fun, but I would almost always, when I was trying to actually move forward, drop the thermite gun, drop the uh, arc gun in favor of the long ranged rifle, so that I could uh, pop out and pick off guys and like be methodical about it. I enjoyed that. It was painful sometimes, and it was very frustrating sometimes. But when it worked, I had a good time with this game and. If you're looking for something that sells out on its plot and its world, for better or worse, and forgets that the, a game should be smooth and should be fun, um, I recommend it. Um, I I think there is a person out there, too, who really would love this 
world. I mean, it's got a lot like like Reagan said, it's it's steampunk, it's knights of the round table, it's it's werewolves. There I think I think there's people out there who probably that's their favorite part of this game. Um, there are probably people for who this is their favorite game on their PS4 and God bless them. And, you know, I really do think that. And I think that's I I think that is a I, I say that not insulting those people who right. love this game. Like, I, I do think that there is a, a, a type of person who forgives the nearly unstoppable clunkiness or unending clunkiness of this game to me every time i was like oh i have to hit x and spin the dial and the whole square and press that like that stuff to me is like not what i want but i think there's probably people that's fine and the the combat's fine and like i like this score that like every review like can uh, uh, aggregate thing is like everything gives this game like a six and a half seven and I'm like yep <laughs> exactly <laughs> like if I was rating this game I don't generally do this but yeah it's like right around like seven you know you're not like it's fine yeah. 10 point scales are meaningless for video games anyway because they all seem to start at like 6.5 or 7 and yeah no one ever there, gives like a two yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, this but, game is the, mediocrity is the soul of this game. It, it, there's <laughs> zero things that it does that other games haven't done in a braver and better way. But that's not to say that it's not, you know, it's it's not it's not completely incompetent. It's just mediocre. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on that exciting note. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You know, we have not done a real, like, tear into... We don't do bad reviews, really. We kind of try to explore and celebrate interesting games. One thing that I like to think about our show, this may be true or not, is that someone who's looking for a good game to play could look at our list and pick any game out of the list of the games that we've played and find something redeem like find something enjoyable about that game. We almost never pick a game where all like all of us are like this game was not great. This is actually the first time I can think of it where there wasn't at least one of us is like what are you guys talking about? I love this game. Like it, almost all of our shows have one person who's at least a diehard fan. And even here, it, there are interesting things to be found here. This is a game that can be interesting even if it's not awesome at times. So, you know, yeah. this game, I would still kind of recommend checking it out. If it goes on sale like we found it uh, at $7, this is probably worth $7. <laughs> it's honestly maybe even worth 20 although I don't know. But... Yeah, I'd say it's worth 20 bucks. Yeah, pick it up if you want. It's exclusive to the PlayStation 4. And um, this is uh, this is probably Ready at Dawn, the developer's last PlayStation exclusive after this game sold so poorly. I mean, it sold uh, uh, 595,000 copies its first week. Oh, God. Uh, Only. Well, I know that's it's still that's not crazy bad, but it is for what this was expected to sell. Like compare that, for example, with um, the uh, Majora's Mask. Uh, 3D for the for the 3DS launched the same week. Um, that's also a single platform exclusive. Uh, same week, it's on a uh, you know it, it's a it's a sort of retro game, which I think means that it might have more limited uh, appeal in a way than a than what's essentially a game in an incredibly popular genre. And it's kind of an apples to oranges comparison. Yeah, I'm not going to let you do that one because Majora's Mask, when I tried to buy it, was sold out everywhere. I think they just, they were trying to package it with on? games. So. Majora's Mask sold 
way more than this. I think maybe a better comparison would be Bloodborne, which is also a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Um, and Bloodborne, which is a it's sort of part of the Souls series, a very hard game, a game with a sort of a niche appeal in a sense, because you really have to be into these sort of hard games in order to be interested in Bloodborne. Um, I mean, I think this this game was really designed to have uh, a wider appeal than something like Bloodborne. And Bloodborne sold 768,000 copies compared to this one's 595. So it, you know, not completely blew it out of the water, but overshadowed it. And I don't think that folks were expecting that. Um, so Reagan, would you make this game in Game Dev Story? <laughs> well, it's not a uh, turtle. Uh, what was it? Uh, Frog Homework, my favorite game of all time. <laughs> uh, I, if I made this game in Game Dev Story, it would have been an even bigger failure than the Order eighteen eighty six was. Gala had to be there. Oh. oh. So thank you for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, I'm Reagan Kelly. You can find me on the internet at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. That's on Twitter, excuse Reagan. me. Specifically on Twitter. Uh, or you can find our show at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find a feedback form where we love to hear from you. We also love to hear your suggestions about games that you think might be interesting for us to cover on this show. We've had some wonderful listener suggestions recently, and a lot of our recent uh, recent episodes have been thanks to those. So if you are, uh, if you have a game in mind, shoot us an email through our website form or info at theshortgame.net. Uh, Laura, where can people find you and all the exciting things you do? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Nate, uh, you've just been recording another podcast before you came to record with us tonight. Uh, where can people find you and that? <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nate STL. You can find me still playing Warbits under our hashtag oh, yes. short game. Uh, and if you happen, and this is super niche, so thank you for bringing it up. If you happen to be a baseball fan, particular of the uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, though not necessarily uh, that's I live in St. Louis. Uh, you can find my other podcast talking about birds, and you can find it wherever podcasts are sold. Right after you search the short game to leave a fun review and tell your friends. And Shane, where can people find you and all the interesting things you do? I do them all on at 8BitShane on Twitter. Now at Touch Arcade as well. Oh, that's that's very true. Yes, yeah, so if you go to Touch Arcade this week, uh, you'll find uh, my first article for them, which is a guide to how to get on the leaderboards at Slither.io, the free-to-play mobile game sensation that has been um, wearing out my thumbs. I will. I will say that his guide was very good, uh, and uh, after reading it, I immediately got much better. I didn't end up on the leaderboard, uh, so that the article is a lie. I didn't end up on the leaderboard at all, <laughs> but uh, I immediately got much better at the game, and uh, I totally recommend it. And Slither is a super fun little game. Yeah, uh, we haven't talked about Slither on on this podcast, but you guys should play it. I actually think it's pretty great. Yeah, it totally is. That's all I'll say. Go read the article. And uh, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Short Game.